guys, this is Nick. In the name of the FC Schalke Nofia team, I want to congratulate you on your 100th episode. Thanks for supporting us in the U.S., and hopefully there will be many more episodes of your podcast in the future. Glück auf! Blau und Weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute. Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. This is episode 108 of Schalke America, and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Doing all right. Uh, always enjoy a nice, quiet Sunday evening to reflect after, once again, a pretty busy week from a news perspective um, on, on, the, on the Schalke front. A lot of stuff. Uh, from the game to talk about, but a lot of stuff midweek and before the game uh, as well, once again. You are not kidding, my friend. Uh, so many things to get to, but let's get to the thing that's the most important at the moment. Uh, an update on Mark Ut. Uh, for many of you who watched the game, we knew that he got injured during the game. Uh, he did uh, post a picture on Instagram this evening, uh, well, a few hours ago, actually. Uh, and he says, uh, good evening. It's a translation. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm expected to be released from the hospital tomorrow. Thank you for the numerous recovery wishes, well wishes. Uh, love, Mark. Uh, so it's, it's it's a picture of him at the bedside of, uh, of the hospital. Uh, he's obviously in better spirits. It's great to hear that um, he is talking now because for a while it was very scary moments uh, at the WWK arena. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it's not often that you see, at least in my opinion, in, in soccer, um, people get knocked unconscious in that way. Sometimes if you get a head injury, you know, you start seeing stars and it, you take a second or two before you really yeah. actually go out. And so you kind of have time to kind of fall down and kind of brace yourself to some extent. Um, and this was just one of those weird ones where he was in midair when he got knocked straight unconscious. And so yeah. uh, he just felt like a sack of potatoes and no way to protect himself or kind of fix how he landed. I think he kind of ended up like rolling up into one of the Augsburg players legs too. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just, it was not good. And he was, yeah, he was out cold. Um, and so definitely scary. Cause you didn't know if he hurt his neck or if he hurt his head for a bit. It seemed like it took him a while to kind of come to as well. Um, ultimately had what 15 minutes of, of, of stoppage time. At yeah. the end of the first half, as a result, so that's I mean that that's how long it took to really make sure that he was going to be in stable condition and get him, get him off the pitch and over to um, the ambulance and everything. So yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, we were just getting uh, live updates from our buddy James Thorogood during a podcast during a uh, during a telecast, I should say. Uh, you know, gave us an update just before halftime, and then the end of the game, he updated us on that. You know, he's talking now and and stuff like that. And so then, of course, Mark Ut with the ultimate update at the end. Uh, so it's good that he'll be released from the hospital tomorrow. It's uh, very unlikely we're going to see him Wednesday, uh, probably not Saturday, but who knows? It uh, depends how, how he recovers from the concussions, what they're calling it now. So that's the first thing we wanted to get out of the way. Uh, Jack, as you mentioned, it's been a jam-packed weekend for uh, news in the last couple of weeks, last probably last month or so. So uh, this, let's get to the news for this week. Um, first, the supervisory board, they came out and made a statement on the Shaka website. Uh, and then, uh, as expected, the ultras came out in response to that. So first with the, with the supervisory board, uh, making their statement, uh, they came out and is really, I think of because the ultras have put a bunch of banners around the training facility in, in the recent weeks. Um, and they're saying, you know, it's really unfair to like pinpoint all the blame on one, one, one direction. It's, it's, you know, we're all a team. We should be doing this together. Let's focus on, uh, staving off relegation and so on and so forth. 
Um, first, your comments uh, on the supervisory board. I, I don't. I don't think the statement itself was that awful in terms of like what the actual content of it was. Right. I guess what I would say about it, and I'm trying to tread carefully here, is just sure. that I question the wisdom of releasing a statement that's only discernible purpose is to sort of admonish the fan base for the way in which they're going about their criticisms of what's occurring to their club. And then also just sort of moderate that criticism going forward. And just, I mean, if I had been asked if that was a good idea to release a statement like that, I, I could have probably predicted the way in which a lot of fans would feel about it and the way in which the ultras ultimately responded. So I just, I, I feel like I was surprised that they would have released a statement like that just because it seemed fairly obvious that it wouldn't necessarily strike the tone. I think they were hoping it would. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Do you I mean? Do you agree? I agree. No, I agree 100 uh, with that. Like I said, I, I don't see anything that was too blaring. That was you know alarm bells going off with the statement itself. But like you said, I it was expected that the ultras would respond, um, and that they did. Uh, we won't get too in depth about what you know what both statements read because we we just made a video of it on here on YouTube. So just check it out after the podcast. Um, it goes a little bit more in depth about it. But uh, in short, the what the ultras came out and said. Uh, was basically, you know, like, hey, you have no right to be talking about us. You know, we're we're doing everything we can for that. We all want to save off relegation, but you know, really, it's the economic side that's been faltering, and 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 the players, you know, picking of the teams and stuff like that. And that's nothing to do with the fans. This is all behind you guys, and you're probably pointing more fingers to like Alexander Jobs and other people like that. But um, you know, we're not going to take sides or anything like that. Just, that's what just happened. Both statements came out. You know, definitely check out the video if you want to read more about the statements and stuff like that. Um, any quick comments before we move on, on on in terms of the ultras making their statement check? No, I mean not really. Like I said, I, I kind of once I saw what the uh, what the board released, I was you know kind of just waiting until we we'd hear some sort of response because, like I said, it was just seemed kind of inevitable that it was going to go that way. Yeah. Um. But you know, hopefully it, we can all kind of move on from that, and there's no further exchanging of words going forward. You know. Right. Well, there was a, a, a kind of further exchange of words. Uh, the ultras before the, the team went over to Augsburg uh, met the team at the bus uh, and they, they, they basically, you know, they were saying, you know, hey, make sure you play for the shirt. We're all behind you. We're giving a motivation basically like that. And then it, you know, they, did a, they did the uh, fight and win chant uh, to try to motivate the guys. It was, you know, it was really, really moving stuff. Uh, it seemed to work for the guys. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but before we do, there's a couple, two other news bits I want to talk about. Uh, first, uh, after the last game, obviously Malik Tiao own goal. You know, it's always so much you can do about it. Um, he came out and build, uh, and he said, you know, hey, you know, um, yeah, I own up to the goal. It was my fault. You know, really, I, I should have done better. I should have been strong with the ball. Took credit for that, or took you know, took the blame for that. But then he came, he stepped up and he said, you know what, you know, our team needs to do better. We need to play with some balls. We need to be stronger. And I found it odd that the youngest member on the team is coming out and saying this kind of stuff when it really should be the veterans, Jack. You, you, we're, we're looking for leadership in a time like this. Um, and having one of your youngsters come out and saying, putting him out in front of everybody else, it's kind of what the ultras are saying. Like, why are you putting our youngest person out there to talk? Why isn't somebody else talking? It should be more leadership as opposed to Mr. 19-year-old Tiao. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, I think you've seen some other players like Mark Oot say things that are in a similar vein yeah. um, to those comments. But, yeah, I, I mean, I understand the point that, you know, you have a, a young guy who's really at a point in his career where this is the first consistent run of games he's had. Yeah. Um, like for the most part, uh, and so the idea that that he's the one that's that's trying to set the tone, 
um, yeah, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's slightly concerning from an outside perspective. Um, once again, we don't know what's always happening behind closed doors and everything. Right. Um, and, uh, but you know, maybe you'd like some of your other captains, leaders, masquerade, people like that to be slightly more vocal yeah. in, in talking, talking about those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, and the last bit of news we're going to talk about, uh, something that came up today, really out of nowhere, uh, put on the screen, Mr. Ui Kemmer. Uh, he is on the supervisory board elected in 2020, no less. Um, he resigned today, uh, and a big post came out, or a big uh, statement from him, and he posted, this is on Facebook that he posted, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll read it really quickly as, as, as much as I can of it. Uh, it says, Dear Schalke, uh, I declared my immediate resignation to the panel of Jens Bukta, the chairman of our board today, in many years as an AR member. Uh, the close appearance of the supervisory board has always been a special concern to me. In the spirit of this unity, of course, I also supported the decisions I did not stand behind or 100%, 100% behind, and that is also normal with such a panel. Uh, but the current situation of the club is now putting all the all the bodies and decisions it makes of the club before a particularly severe trial, uh, an unprecedented sports crisis, coronavirus pandemic, economic situation, basic orientation of the club, and deriving personal issues. Now it's about basic things. And he goes on to say... Um, I do not stand fundamentally with what's going on right now. And I just need to step away from the team or step away from the supervisory board and, and his duties. So uh, he put, he put in his, uh, his resignation letter. Um, like I said, it happened all of a sudden, uh, any comments on this? I mean, this is pretty shocking when a supervisory board member who's elected in 2020 just steps down um, hard to make sense of uh, what, what is going on. There's obviously more chaos going, going on behind the scenes than, than we know about. Yeah, it certainly raises an eyebrow, uh, particularly because it's, it's in some ways you can draw a similarity to, uh, you know, Mika Rushka in the way he left in terms of just being, yeah. you know, he, him no longer seeing eye to eye, Theodore Schneider uh, in terms of, you know, where they, they see the direction of the club going. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's the exact same situation, right. but I mean, when you when you read um, his statement, it, it definitely sounds like he's hinting at um, more deep, uh, deeper fundamental themes as opposed to more like small practical things. Like I don't agree with this particular, you know, decision or something like that. It's more like, I don't agree with the general direction that we're, we're headed in when it's, when it's that fundamental, it really becomes, you know, I, I'm either just going to be slowing down your process, but not accomplishing anything, or I can step aside and just say, you know, I don't support this anymore. That kind of thing. So I, I mean, I, yeah, it's, I understand it from his, for, from his perspective of why he, uh, Decided to do what he did, uh, but yeah, it, it does raise an eyebrow, and it, it's it's concerning if, if there's people involved with the club that um, feel like it, you know there's people pulling in different directions, and they're not necessarily happy with the directions that seem to be getting um, you know the uh, the advantage, I guess. Yeah, no, exactly, and um, it's interesting because I, I found some of the wording in there that kind of maybe it's just me, but he said he was talking about fundamentally we're not the same anymore, and I'm wondering if you know because there was rumors in the in in this off season about. Schalke may have to deviate from their 50 plus one and try something, any means necessary to get a little bit more money in. Uh, not like Byron necessarily, but, you know, find a way to get some more funds in. Uh, maybe it's that, maybe it's not, but maybe it's, maybe it's me reading between the lines with the fundamentally uh, different. I don't know. That's how I took it. It doesn't mean anybody else took it that way. Just, you know, that's me trying to read through the lines, really. Uh, we don't know. Nobody knows. And so until we do, I guess we got to just sit there and try not to speculate too much. No, I mean that's that's one of the things that that kind of comes to mind that you that you wonder if that's what's being hinted at yeah. to some extent when you when you read the statement. So I mean we don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's something to you know keep an eye on and and doesn't exactly instill tons of confidence in you. 
No, it does not. Um, well, you know the, the motivation we talked about with the, the, the ultras provided before the game for the for the team took the bus to Augsburg. Um, it did it did uh, obviously do some good for the team. It could go in one of two ways, right? It's a very young squad. It could either motivate them or really demotivate them. Uh, we weren't sure how that would have gone. That could have gone either way. We, I've, I've seen comments online, you know, doing both. It seemed to have worked in this one, Jack. Um, it's funny that. You know, pre-match we were talking uh, in our little chat group about you know what the team really needs, and it's, I, you know I remember saying, team needs leadership right now. Obviously, with the, we just talked about Milik Tiao, he's coming up and saying stuff, and he really shouldn't be saying stuff as a, as a youngest kid. Yeah, he's probably putting on the spot, but it should be the veteran stepping up. And I found it interesting that both uh, uh, Ferriman, who's back healthy, and Stambouli were inserted into the lineup. Probably two of the most uh, vocal leaders we have and the biggest leaders we have on the team no disrespect to mascarell but you know uh excuse me some has been the captain fairman's been you know freaking legend on the team so i wasn't too surprised to see both of them there considering everything that's been going on this past week yeah that's a fair shout um i th- i think when it comes to the ultras and in, in, in you know the statements they made to the team i think I don't think it's important for the ultras to you know try to track down the team and address them before every game. Right. But I think this this particular week it actually may have been a good idea yeah. because of the war of words, if you will, between the supervisory board yeah. and the players. And I think maybe it was important for them to go to the team separately and be like you know separate from everything that's been out there when it comes to our relationship with you specifically, the players. Yeah. Like you know we're supporting you, we want you to do well, and we're encouraging that kind of thing. So. Um, I think that was probably a good thing for them to do this week in particular. And yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, it, it had an effect on on the pitch. It's still not ultimately the result we're looking for. And we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, if, it, if it did have some you know positive motivation, um, that's obviously a good thing. That's what we want. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the lineup. And this one was on the road at Augsburg. Um, look at the lineups first for, for Augsburg. They came out in goal of uh, uh, Gikiewicz. Was in goal. I probably butchered his name right there. Uh, back four of Framberger, uh, Guvilov, uh, Udakai, who uh, we mentioned, we'll mention several times in this uh, podcast, uh, and Gumni. And then you had a midfield of Kalajiri, our former player here, uh, Kadira, Gruetzo, and Vargas. And up top, you had Niederlechner and Strobel. Um, interesting lineup. Obviously, seeing Kalajiri back, he's obviously been. Um, Doing very well since he's been at Augsburg. He has something like four or five goals this season. Uh, and also, and Niederlechner is another one who's maybe not scoring so much this season, but last year he was one of the best players uh, in, in 2019-2020. So um, were those the two main guys you're looking into this lineup when you when we saw the when the, the lineup was first put out? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, we, we know Calajari quite well and what he's capable of and the kind of things he's going to bring to to a game and, and Niederlechner is another one of those guys who's not at the biggest club and isn't the most prolific, but seems to be threatening when they play against us in particular. Uh, so definitely somebody that we're already aware of going into this one. Um, and yes, yeah, so I probably agree with those two guys being the two I'd singled out. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, that's probably the two guys that I probably would have, would have focused on as well. We know what Calajuri brings, you know, in the past it would have been Philip Max who'd been the set piece specialist for them. And he's moved on to, uh, I think uh, PSV or somewhere in, in, in Netherlands. Uh, so Calajiri steps up, and he's obviously a, a specialist as well. He's done so many amazing things for us in, in the three and a half years he was with us. So um, I knew that he was going to be a threat for us. So uh, anyway, looking to our lineup, obviously we mentioned uh, Ralph Fairman back in between the sticks. Uh, went with a I'm a, I'm call it a four three three. It's a back four of Ochipka, Sane, Kabak, and Stambouli. And then you had a midfield of uh, uh, Sweat Serdar, Omar Mascarell, and Nassim Bujalab. And then you had uh, 
Benito Roman, Alessandro Schof, and Mark Uth up top. Um, good lineup. Uh, I mean, nothing nothing too crazy. I mean, it's interesting to see the Stambouli playing, you know, right back, I guess, is what he was playing in this game. Um, but like I said, I wasn't too surprised to see both he and Fairman into the lineup. What'd you make of the lineup and even the inclusion inclusion of uh, Nassim Bujalab in this one? We, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be upset to see Ralph Fairman in the lineup. Obviously, as I mean, as you mentioned earlier, just hopefully brings uh, a calming presence and some leadership to the sticks. Uh, as good as Frederick Runov has been this season, um, and I think he has been pretty, pretty excellent. Um, yeah. I think that I think that's a lone move that you and I both questioned at the time, um, but you know, certainly seems to be a smart one for the time being, um, at least in terms of the dividends is paid on the pitch. Anyway, um, yeah, I think I think Buyuleb getting into the starting lineup is is interesting. Um, we haven't seen a ton of him this season. It seemed like he was getting more opportunities later last season. Yeah. Um, he's a player that I, that I feel is slightly less consistent than Chan Bozduan, for instance. I, I feel like even when Bozduan is is having a game where he's not as tidy or is making more mistakes, he's still he's still very much involved yeah. in what's taking place. And, and Bulib can disappear a little bit, kind of almost in a Suat Serta way at times. Um, so when I saw him in the starting lineup, that was definitely something that raised an eyebrow and something I wanted to take a look at. But beyond that, I mean, it's it's pretty standard. Um, Shuff getting uh, the opportunity out there instead of uh, Skripsky is probably the only significant change. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bam Obama sticking with that back four that he, that he's now gone to just when we thought he was really getting committed to that, that back three we talked about earlier, switches it up. And I, I think that's probably been for the best actually overall. I agree. We, that's the one thing we've been struggling. Oh, that's the one thing, but the major thing we've been struggling is defensively. And I think going back to a back four and trying to have some more midfielders in there to kind of clog that up and make it more disciplined, I think is the way to go. Uh, if we were more stable, you know, stable defensively, then you could go with a back three and, because uh, we've even seen at times when we've gone with the back five, you know, playing defensively in our shell, it still doesn't work. We're, they're still turning us up. So um, I think it's got it's done well to go to this back four. And you mentioned Bazduan and, and Buyuleb. Um, It's interesting because I think, you know, I agree with you 100%. And I think, you know, Bazduan, he may not have always, you know, may always be consistent, but he he looks like he's a first team ready player. He's always, he's making quick passes all the time. He's hustling back. He's always doing everything you're expecting of a, of a, of a first-time starter or, excuse me, a, a certain 11 player. Um, like you said, at times, he can fade away. And But when he's there, when he's active, you, you notice him. He's doing well. Uh, so that, that's a good shout-out there between those two. Um, but, yeah, let, let's get into the game. Uh, what I noticed immediately was that, you know, the team started off with a good early high press. We talked about this last podcast, how, you know, we always saw that for at glimpses in last game. Uh, they started off early with this one, and I thought it was pretty effective. Uh, Schalke was on the front foot, uh, looked like the more dominant team early on. Um, things were starting to go our way. It looked like a goal was eminent, uh, but it took just minutes for a tragedy to happen, really. Uh, in the 10th minute, uh, it was an innocent lofted pass, and I don't remember who it was, maybe Stambouli. Uh, was in the air. Both Mark Ut and Felix uh, uh, Udakai went up for it. Heads collide. Ut is knocked out immediately in the air. Uh, like you said, he falls into the uh, Sammy Kadira's, uh, Remy Kadira's feet, uh, and immediately they stop the play. Um, obviously, you can see immediately all, all, the, all the players like you need to bring somebody over now. And obviously, with ten minutes of stoppage, uh, it was it was scary moments for a while. And um, you, I mean, you saw like Caligari was there, and you saw scenes of uh, Mascarell holding up the, uh, the 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 IV and stuff. So I mean, we weren't sure what's going on. I mean, when you see something like that, you're like, uh, what what the hell's going on? And apparently, Manuel Grefa asked the players. 
both teams, do you guys want to yeah. continue this match? And to Shaka's credit, they were like, yeah, we want to, we want to, we want to keep playing. Cause yeah, I saw some criticism of like the DFB on, on Twitter of people saying like, what, well, you know, why, why would you continue this game? Why wouldn't you just call it? But yeah, as far as we've heard, it's, it's because they, they gave Schalke the opportunity to, yeah. to, to end it and, and Schalke decided not to. And then Augsburg um, just sort of yielded to, uh, how Schalke felt in that situation. So, I mean, if that's if that's the case, like then then yeah, I support it 100. If the players felt like they were they were still yeah. in the frame of mind to go and they wanted to do it, um, I mean, who am I to, to tell them to tell them not to in that case? Yeah, yeah, it's one thing if they're forced to. It's another thing if they if they if they agree to or you know if they're still motivated. So, um, but yeah, it was very much a question at that point whenever it did get started because there was quite a long time to think about that and kind of like process that. Um, you know, was it was it gonna be a positive or a negative not that it really has to be either yeah um, it could just be something that happens but you're wondering if the team was going to look significantly different coming out of that yeah because we had started so well i mean that, that was a really good start for us like i said the press was really working effectively i thought uh, causing a lot of turnovers and hesitation on part of augsburg so we weren't sure how they would come out of the restart uh but it looked like chocolate continued on pressing like they were at the before that injury uh and we're looking good um and then in the 28th minute uh, same guy, Udukai, collides this time with Buyulab. Another five-minute stoppage there. Uh, Buyulab actually had a cut on his head, and he had to put he got to get his head bandaged. So that that total of five minutes there plus ten minutes with Ud, we saw five, 15 minutes of stoppage time added to the end of this match, which is crazy. I always thought you saw that in England. Uh, but uh, two injuries aside, I mean, you, you, speaking of Udukai, let's talk to Ud, about Udukai real quick because he was visibly shaking after the Mark Ud situation, as you would imagine. Um, saw his players, you know, coming over to him, trying to, you know, calm him down and stuff like that. Then he goes and does the same thing, almost the same thing to Buyulab. And at that point, you know, Mascarell is getting pissed off and he tried, he had some heated words with him. And I guess basically Udakai's like, well, what do you want me to do? The ball's in the air. I'm a defender. I have to play the ball. I mean, he does. I mean, I don't, I don't fault it for either. It's, it's the head collisions are very rare that, that bad. The, the two plays that happened in this game early on. And we had both in the first, you know, you know within 10, 20 minutes apart. Um, very rare, but I mean, uh, the same guy getting caught up in both of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him for either of them. I, I think yeah. I didn't see anything particularly wrong with either of them. I think it may have been the Buyulab one too, if I if I remember correctly. I could be confusing it with another one, but if I remember correct, that was one of the ones where it looked like he really flicked his head word backward into Udakai, yep. like was sort of the one that was really making the, yep. the the aggressive contact. Yeah. Um. Uh. And Udakai wasn't doing a whole lot. Uh. So if anything, like some of the contact was initiated by one of our guys. Um, yeah, but you know, you, you feel bad for him because anytime something like that happens with the, with the Mark Root thing, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of just a freak play and, and, you know, you'd feel so bad if you had seriously, seriously injured somebody. And for a while there, I mean, like, yeah, he didn't know. So not surprised that, that he was shaken and, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't, uh, you know, blame himself too much for that kind of a thing. Yeah. And, uh, we heard as the game went on, uh, Thurgood, the, the commentator kept saying, he said like, look, we see, we, we rarely see this many heading injuries in a game. You know, it usually takes like a season to see all these kind of head injuries and you saw it all in one game. It was very, very crazy game overall. Um, but you know, it's moving on, you know, just a few minutes, maybe like 32nd minute or so. Um, there was a free kick for Augsburg and of course, Caligiri is going to step up and we know, you know, he, he plays dangerous balls in all the time. Uh, well, this one uh, was a dangerous ball directly into the line. When It went past everybody. It looked like it took a deflection off Swat Serdar. Uh, it went right into the back of the net. Um, <laughs> heads dropped immediately, obviously, you know, with, with the Mark Ut situation. And then you go down a goal. Uh, upon replay, it did look like Serdar was credited with an own goal. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, another set-piece goal that we give up. Uh, we continue to struggle on this. Credit goes to Caligiri for putting it in and not celebrating. Uh, but still, we need to do better on, on these set-piece situations. 
I was kind of surprised they ended up giving it to Sweat Setter because the initial ball looked like it was on target. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I don't know what the rule is. I thought it was like if it was already going on target, then it's not. It has to like change direction, right? For it to be an own goal. Like it has to, That's what whatever. I but, um, but yeah, initially it just kind of looked like everyone missed it. When I watched it live, I didn't think anyone touched it, but there's, there's one angle in particular, which is from like the far post behind it. Yeah. And you yeah. can see that the touch that Serdar gets on it actually is the reason it goes in because I think Fairman had it covered, but it pushed it a little bit wider um, on its already kind of curving trajectory. And that caused a problem. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, just this is the kind of thing that happens to you when you're having bad luck in a season like this. I mean, back to back weeks now where we have an own goal to start off the scoring. Yeah. Um, I mean, forget like, you know, giving, giving up cheap goals. This is, I mean, us scoring them on ourselves at this point. So, uh, but once again, just kind of two freak plays too. I, I don't think either of those were um, from, you know, Malik Tiawa or Stuart Sutter were just like horrific, horrific mistakes. I mean, they're yeah. mistakes, but yeah, just sort of weird things that typically you don't see in, in a normal run of play. No, yeah, it was very freak plays. And, uh, but nonetheless, a, a goal is a goal and they were up one, nothing. Uh, but what I like, what I did like to see is after the goal, uh, it was an immediate return to pressure by Schalke. You know, it was a good response by them. Um, tensions are very high in that matchup. Obviously, both teams wanting it. Uh, Schalke, obviously, for the reasons we've discussed, but Augsburg also in relegation fight as well. Uh, I think they were sitting like maybe tenth at the time, or, or, or maybe just maybe just a couple points uh, spots below that. But uh, yeah, important points for all all the way around. Um, but we'd go into halftime by the score one nothing. Uh, overall, first half, I thought we did pretty good. It was, it was a uh, against the run of play almost the way Augsburg scored. I thought it was one of our better halves of consistent pressure and, and just overall play. It looked like we were the better team, creating a lot of the better chances, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't blown away by what I saw, but I would agree that it was overall pretty competent. And I think I think by the time we got to like the 45th minute, um, so this is like before the 15 minutes to stop. Right, time, right. Right? By the time we got to where it was like 45th minute on the clock, I, I think by that point we really actually did start gaining control of the game yeah. again um, offensively and looked like we had um, some some goals in this for sure. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of come out in the second half and, and keep a lot of that pressure up because we had a pretty good opening 10, 15 minutes too in the second half as well. Yeah, we really did. And, uh, you know, starting out the second half just as, as good as we ended the first half. Uh, Ramon had an early chance early on. Uh, Mascarell with a beautiful pass. He, this is a theme with Mascarell in this game. Uh, he had a lot of really good uh, deep cutting through passes that found people. Uh, and this one he, in particular, um, he found Ramon and Ramon uh, just missed it. But then he would make make redemption just a few minutes later. Uh, 52nd minute Gruezo uh, with a terrible back pass to nobody. Ramon finds it for anybody else, goes on a breakaway, scores a goal past the keeper. Uh, big goal for us. Uh, timely by him just to just because minutes just minutes before he popped up and he nearly uh, had a chance. Uh, but to get that goal was big for Schalke in that game, Jack. It looked like we've, we've always had none of the bounces so far in the last year, year and a half, whatever. We got that bounce in it and we put it away. Yeah, I mean, a lucky play, but, but also just really, really good to see Benito Ramon beginning to consistently get on the score sheet that's that's huge i mean if you can get um you know a second score a third score to start chipping in goals consistently that that, that makes all the difference when I mean, you think back to you know hinrunda last season uh when you had you know serdar was was scoring and amina harit was scoring um so you know some of the, some of the midfield guys were chipping in with goals so you know it's, it's good that it's not just you know a pasiense or mark and that raman's getting going a little bit um yeah just a just a bad back pass like you said i think he misjudged a little bit where his one of his center backs was and he played a little bit into space and Ramon was was you know alive to it and, and made a decisive run got there first did a good job waiting for the keeper to kind of make a decision and go down and then at that point he, he chips him and it's uh it's a really nice finish um 
yeah, uh, Benito Ramos had a couple of nice finishes now in the past few weeks. Um, some, yeah. some really composed stuff there. So, you know, good for him. Good to see. Very timely, too, because obviously with the injury of Mark, ooh, that, that's you know, your main goal scoring threat. And so being able to someone else to step up and get a goal uh, was huge for the team. Um, so what we didn't mention uh, before the end of the first half, uh, Lechner, uh did pick up a yellow card. Uh, he was pretty feisty in that first half. Uh, and in the early stages of the second half, um, obviously got a yellow. Him and Sané were going at it a bunch of times and a couple other players as well. Uh, well, in the 53rd minute, just min- like a minute after that goal, uh, he would pick up his second yellow. It's probably his least least aggrievable play that he made. Uh, but, you know, I guess Gr- Manuel Griefe was paying attention the whole time. He's like, enough's enough. You're out of here. Um, he gets off uh, with a red card. And then as he's leaving, he has some verbal exchange with the Schalke bench. Uh, that would come back to, to – we'll talk about it a little bit later. But, yeah, um, going down, we're up a goal. or We're tied at that point, And then they, they lose the guy down. I mean, you had to be feeling good. It looked like we're starting to get some of the bounces that we didn't have for a long time, Jack. So, again, it's part of that good luck. Oh, we go up a guy. Um, and that was one of our better – one of the better strikers too. So uh, what did you make of that whole red car situation and just the way Niederlechner was playing in general up until that moment? Yeah, uh, you know, former U.S. men's national team player and also, you know, Bundesliga right back Steve Cherendolo was uh, doing <laughs> yeah. the, the color commentary on the on the stream that you and I were watching as as along with, uh, as you said, James Thurgood, friend of the pod. Um, and, and Cherendolo was was kind of took a dim view, I think, of that sending off and was saying that, you know, he, he thinks it's pretty unfair for incidental contact like that. Uh, and, and as you said, you know, uh, one of the fouls that he committed that was probably one of the softest of, of any that he had done. And I think James kind of agreed with that to a lesser extent. I mean, I, I think I would be sympathetic to that um, if there hadn't been so many different examples of, of Mama Grefa talking to Florian Niederlechner in this game. Um, I mean, he, he had a couple incidents before he got his first yellow card. Then he gets his yellow card. Then there's an incident after Salif Sané gets his yellow card where Griff yep. talking to Niederlechner, you know, and basically being like, you know, like, okay, chill out now. Like, and you got a call against you. Like, like, don't, don't freak out. Don't retaliate. As they're going into halftime, Manuel Grafer and Niederlechner are talking again. I'm pretty sure there was adequate opportunity to explain to Niederlechner that he, that he needs to calm down. And, and you know, he's, he's already been booked once. I'm pretty sure the boundaries would have been set at some point over the multiple conversations that these two had. So, I mean, at some point, if you're Manuel Grefa and this guy's just continuously to play a little bit recklessly and outside the bounds of what you're comfortable setting your game as, I don't have a problem with him just saying, hey, you know what, accumulation. Like, it doesn't matter that that last one was incidental. You're being reckless. You're not taking control of, you know, your body parts and stuff when you're flying around here. And the I'm game tired. was tense, too. I mean, yeah. You know. And Niederlechner was being a, you know, being a jerk, like, all game and afterwards, too. So I, I have zero sympathy for him in this particular situation. Uh, and I wonder if Manuel Regafer just kept calling him Corey Haim because he, he looks like a Corey Haim lookalike, you know. So uh, for those who get that, I don't know if jackets are now. But <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, Niederlechner would be out of the game. Uh, would not be the last time we'd talk about him, though. Um, so let's move on a few minutes. Um, in the 61st minute. You know we're we are doing well on this at this moment. Uh, we're we're looking confident with the with the team. We're, we have majority of the play going on. Um, good spell possessions going on there, right? It looks like they have some intent finally. Uh, eventually, the ball cycles out to the right side. Kabak is it to Zambuli. Uh, Benji quickly gives it, you know, to Alexander Schulp, who you know two guys immediately surround him, and he has a wherewithal to get it through between the two guys back to Zambuli, who you know he's. We've been talking about we you know he's a midfielder. He's always been a midfielder playing defense. Um, his best his best assets are his passing, his vision, and stuff like that. And it came evident on that play because as soon as he got the ball, 
Get a nice cheeky off outside the foot pass to uh, Swat Serdar. Swat Serdar's in the box, looks up, finds Buyuleb. Buyuleb, you know, pounds home uh, the rebound or the shot uh, in the goal. Two to one to take the lead. Uh, what a play overall. That's a, that's a, it's a long time since we've seen 1-1 one, one, we get the lead like that. But two, just the intent of play by Shock with possession and then eventually you know, doing a nice play to get a goal there. Yes, the Stan Bully at right back thing, it's it's not where I think we'd ideally like to see him, and we probably have some concerns about it, at least on the defensive end, just because yeah. we've seen his lack of pace been, be exploited multiple times already, yeah. and that you know is, is a position where that can hurt you a little bit if you're not careful about where you're positioned at times. But anyway, but as you said, you know, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, his his strongest attributes have always been um, you know, the things that he's involved in in the passing game. And there were several moments in this game where he got forward and, and had some nice combination play, um, some stuff that we've probably been lacking at times with some of the people that have been back there recently. Um, you know, John Joe Kenny is, is you know, as is, is good of a shift as he would put in, wasn't always, um, you know, the best linking up, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the ball that he flicks out, to see what Serdar um, is, is a nifty little ball. And Serdar does a really good job corralling that, turning around, firing in it. And, um, you know, Buelib's really impressed me with, with how decisive he is in front of goal, yeah. uh, which is a quality I love to see, especially in a young player. But, um, uh, and sometimes you almost do see it more with younger players at times. Yeah, they just, they think about it a little bit less and they're just, they're just, you know, I'm, I'm going to shoot this. And uh, I mean, I think it, it was last game, right? Where Buelib yeah. had... The, the, it was called offside, wasn't it? But it yes. was yes. It was a really, really nice, decisive finish on that too, and that that raised my eyebrow last week. And and this goal, I mean, was it the best play goal of all time? I mean, no, but like he he hit it early and, and hit it hard, and you know, sometimes that's all you need is just to put the keeper under pressure. It was great. Steve Trundle said, all you got to do is sometimes just put it on goal and make the yeah. goal and save it, right? Hundred percent. And we talked about I don't know if it was I don't know if it was Bui Love before that goal that he scored last week that was taken back, but so there was another time where he got the ball. I think it was him, and he had too much time to think about it, and it ended up scuffing the play and messing it up. And I think we talked about how like if you're especially if you're young, you don't want to react. It's that instant. You want the instant. You know, you want the pressure on you, so you don't have to think about it. Natural reaction comes, and that's when good plays happen. He had that goal last week that was taken away. This one is the same situation. You know, it's a quick pass. Guys are all over him. Powers home a shot, and it goes back in the net. So. Uh, great goal for him, first of the season. Uh, really happy to see that by him. And I want to shout out Serdar as well because I thought yeah. Serdar had a little bit better of a game than he's been having at times. This time a good game two. by him, I thought. When Serdar is a little bit more in rhythm and combination play, that's usually a really good sign with how the offense is running in general um, because yeah. he's another one of those guys that, that does seem to go with the game flow a little bit. There's some people that are a little bit more game flow independent and they're going to get their touches and they're going to do their thing regardless of whether or not it's really working further down the field. Serdar is one of those guys where um, you do feel like he can disappear at times. And, and so, yeah, if he, if he's combining in nice areas and, and really you're seeing a lot of him on the ball, that that's it's usually a good sign for the offense. And I think, yeah, I think this was probably one of his better performances this season too, which is very, very good and very promising to see. Yeah, it was, uh, I, you know, it was a very good performance by him. I thought, I thought uh, he, he had a good one, but I, for me, if I, if I had to pick a man of the match, it'd probably be Buyaleb. I thought he was just everywhere in this game doing good things offensively. Uh, so, you know, good shout out to both both players there. Um, well worked play. Stambouli with obviously with a nice pass. Uh, very, very awesome there. And um, yeah, so uh, after that goal, it seemed like the game became a little bit more even because you had Augsburg trying to push to equalize. Schalke still continuing to try to push on a little bit more uh, or a little bit, not as much as they were before, but they're still pushing on. Um, so it was an even game overall. But then I started seeing uh, a weakness. Uh, Boswan did come on on the pitch. And he he made, he made he did good for himself I thought, 
but I started noticing something uh, around the 72nd minute or so. Augsburg started trying to exploit Ochipka. Ochipka, I think, thought had a really poor game. Um, and I think we even mentioned this in our in our tweet in our in our chat group during the game. It's like, look, Ochipka's pushing up high and guys are missing their their their, their marker. Uh, so Ochipka goes, uh, pushed up really high in the 72nd minute. Uh, Bazdawan, who was also pushed up. So neither, no one's covering it for them. And there's an opportunity that came down and they nearly scored. Just two minutes later, they, again, they went down that same side. Um, Augsburg player this time beat Sane, fed into the middle. Kadir really should have scored uh, on that play. That should have been a warning shot for us, Jack. Uh, but you, we it was something blaring that was coming up, that they were going down that one side and coming up in the middle. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned it because I was, I was going to mention it if you hadn't, which is that, yeah, around – kind of around the time of the game you mentioned, you start noticing that a lot of their chances and a lot of you know uh, their, their possessions when they really actually do get deep into our territory are coming down that right-hand side. That's really where they're finding the openings, getting in behind Ochipka, which is pulling Salif Sané further up the field, which you know then cycles in Omar Mascarello into the box to start covering people on crosses and that kind of thing, which isn't probably ideally what you'd like to have happening as much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely concerning. But the, the thing that was okay about it, though, at the same time was like, even you know as late as 85th minute if not later like we we were still coming up with good chances ourselves and, and yes. creating them offensively and yeah. so you felt like we you felt like you know we were just as likely to to get the third goal as as Augsburg were like to get their second if not more if not more likely i mean you had um the the kind of bad miss honestly by Buyaleb for what would have been his brace oh yeah um, oh they went over the bar yeah from Benito Ramon i mean it's yeah. it's it's a it's a really nice ball and it's the kind of ball that we were criticizing Ramon for not completing more often last week and he actually I think he actually did miss one or two in this game that were similar but yeah. um, hard to be critical because he played that one and he had his goal I mean I think Benito Ramon according to Understat at least had like 0.4 expected assists in this game yeah he was good um, yeah, so his involvement was great um, you also had the Chan Bosduan shot um, yeah great play to create yeah, a, I mean, yeah. Great, yeah. Just got the defender going the wrong way. Took a nice touch to get on his right foot, open up that, and he just he just missed it mm. near post. Didn't get it on target. But um, I mean, those two alone probably were. I think each of those opportunities were like over 0.3 xg opportunities that we had in like the last ten minutes of the game. Um, and if you just get one of those, I mean, y- you kill it off, and we we just missed it. And and as that pressure kept coming down the right hand side, I mean, like you and I would think the same thing. James Thurgood, I think, said. You know, I really think that you know we've we've seen a turning point today, and like, like hopefully up. they can carry this into the next week. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, it's a 75th minute, dude. I mean, yeah, you're, you're putting the jinx on us like that early, like really, like come on. Yeah, it definitely was not over yet. Um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say yeah, no, that's ex- exactly how it was. And uh, I thought uh, you know those players that you mentioned that they, they did well to create opportunities. You know, yes, they kept exploring that one side, but we were continuing pressing. I think that's why the game was. Still going where it was because we were trying. We didn't, you know. I I think it was Trundle or maybe it was Thurgood to sit on, on the telecast. You know, it's like it's, you're glad, you're happy to see that Schalke's not you know get into a box and trying to play defensive because if they did, it'd be all Augsburg and you know it's just gonna it's just gonna spell disaster. But Schalke kept pushing at it. They had their opportunities. There a lot of good opportunities they had to make it three one. And I think it ultimately came back to bite them. Um, you know, I mean, probably from that 72nd minute on to when the goal was scored, they probably attempted down that Ochipka side probably like five to ten times during that time. But well, finally, 93rd minute, uh, Ralph Fairman goes to clear the ball. Uh, it goes immediately immediately to uh, uh, Ochipka's side. Uh, the ball gets to the far side back. You know, it goes across the crease. Um, and then I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Vargas or who passed it. But in the middle, Richter gets a free header. Uh, 
equalizes it there. Niederlechner comes out from the from the uh, tunnel, starts chirping at uh, Baum and, and the Schalke bench. A lot to talk about in this play, but you know, watching this play overall, I, I noticed right away that when the ball, you know, was starting to cycle around just before Kadir gets the ball first, right, and immediately Bazduan and uh, Mascarell enclose on him right away. He continues running back down toward the goal while the play is going around to Ochipka's side, and neither of them are really hustling back to cover him. And then eventually, you know, the way the play rolls out, I think Richter ended up being free and no one covered him. Well, Kabak should have been covering him, I think. Yeah. So the, it was really bad overall. Because I'm watching the play. If you're watching the play with Richter, because you know he's going to score when you watch a replay, and you're watching him, Kabak has him. All of a sudden, he loses him and stops worrying about him, and goal happens. I mean, it's, it's not surprising in some respect, because how often do you and I talk about it, it's when opponents really start getting width against us that they seem to get really effective and things start to fall apart for us really quick. We can't cope with that. It really, it, when we get stretched out in that way, it really seems to pull things apart in the middle of the field for us more than it does against most opponents. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I was, I was concerned that they were going down that angle. And then, I mean, but here's the thing. I mean, when you're on this winless streak um, that that Schalke are on and you are up a goal and up a man in stoppage time, you have to win the game. Yeah. You you just, you have to find a way to win that game. People are making stuff about the substitutions. You, do you have any, Quarrels about the substitution in particular. I think it was uh, Nastasic for Bazduan. Uh, I think many people were tripping about that. Now we saw Scripsy coming for Ramon at some point, uh, but you got to you got to end the game. You got to end the game. I mean, I think it was weird that you substituted off a guy who had some of the fresher legs. Yeah, relatively speaking, based on because he he was himself a sub from Marcout. Yeah, Bouyelab uh, could have been one substitute out, you know, or something. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as concerned about that. It's just, you know, it, it's it's the same thing. It's, you can talk about how good of a team defensive performance it is for the vast majority of the game, but if you have a five-second window where somebody just turns off their brain, it's all for nothing because that's how how quickly somebody can score a goal on you. I mean, yeah, and if you if you watch this, it's not even a good cross-in initially. The, that's no. what's so frustrating is the initial no. ball out from the right-hand side is not a dangerous cross whatsoever. It goes over Sambuli and somebody else. Yeah, and- it just happens to fall right into the path of the BFG. Um <laughs> Mr. Mr. Gregorich, yeah. um, uh, who's Gregor? That's right. Who, who, I mean, to, to, to his credit, is making a run into space that he should make a run into if you're going to play a ball from the right hand side because he's there for it, and he plays one back in. But um, you know, Ozan Kabak has him in front of him, so he's in his field of vision the entire time. You, I mean, you could make an argument and say Omar Mascarell. Um, that was kind of his man too, and he should have not lost him, which is fine. But at least Omar Mascarell had the guy behind him, so it's harder for him to know where he's going. Kabak just like wasn't marking anybody, and when 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 the guy initially makes that run and steps up into space, Kabak presumably sees that, but just doesn't react to it at all. And um, yeah, I mean, so it's a nice ball in from Gregorich, and it's 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 way too easy of a finish. And once again, it's just you give somebody a free header, you know, right in front of the keeper. In stoppage time, it's 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 way too easy of a goal to concede off of a bad initial cross, and uh, I mean if that's the kind of thing we're going to do, I mean we don't deserve the points, and it's going to be really hard to get out of this situation. I mean I, I don't want to be too negative because I think there's there's ways in which this was a a decent performance, but you know it, it ultimately takes a red card for us to to take the lead, and then even then we can't hold on to it, and and that's that's not good. This was a this is a yeah. real wasted opportunity for us to pick up our first win of the season. 
Um, and, and, you know, hopefully we, we take better advantage of the next couple games against once again, you know, not great opponents because the, the, these are super crucial games for us. And this, this first one is already coming away, feeling a little bit like a negative to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a, a cruel way to end it. I thought there's nothing Fairman could have done about it. Uh, I mean, moments after that goal, they nearly took the lead. They nearly won the game. Uh, and Fairman made a humongous save, probably the biggest save he had in the game because, it was going far corner, and he put his palm down and stopped the ball. Uh, we end up getting a free kick at the end of the game. Obviously, we don't have Mark Ut to take the, the kick. I'm thinking it needs to be Ochipka. Ochipka is probably our next best free kick taker, uh, or Roman. Uh, but no, it's Mascarell, and he's, you know, with last play of the game. It's obviously the last play of the game, high and wide. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, he hasn't been too impressive overall on set pieces. I don't know why he continues to, to take those. I don't know if that's because he's captain and he's inserting himself in that or if that's something the coaching staff have decided but yeah. w- clearly whatever he's doing on the training ground isn't reliably translating into the actual game situations yeah yeah and then again neither lechner was out there chirping again and and you know just we'll see what happens with that but uh yeah it was a game that was yeah, you know why is he talking to manuel baum on the sideline just i mean go away he comes out of the tunnel and is like you know yeah he i mean yeah he, he did not in my opinion did not cover himself no. in glory throughout he the course didn't. he that. didn't um it didn't look good there at all. And, uh, you know, Kabak, we, we talked about this several podcasts ago that uh, he picks up a yellow or red in every game. He picked up a yellow in this game. Um, he wasn't too too good. He was okay in this game, actually. He had some had obviously that bad gaffe at the end. He had some good plays as well. Um, like, I, like I said, I thought Bouyeleb was the best player of the game for me. Suatser does a close second. Roman was good as well. Um, Ochipka, probably the poorest player for the game for me. I don't know what, how you feel. I thought some bully was okay. Overall, I mean, it was a good good performance. This is probably we were really good for ninety three minutes. Um, I just, it's really frustrating for me because I I couldn't tell you who our best center back is anymore. Yeah, there have been times where I felt like I knew that, where I would say, you know, it's it's, it's Leif Sine or you know maybe for a bit it's, it's Ozan Kabak, but it's gotten to the point where it's like whoever I I want to say is our best center back is also making the stupid mistakes that every other guy is making that are costing us goals and costing us results. It's, I mean, it's it's Ozan Kabak's doing it, Nastasic is doing it. I mean, every everyone, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Stambouli, everyone is doing it. Um, so it's hard to you know single one guy out being like, yeah, he's, he's performing pretty well, or this guy really needs to step it up. It's just kind of everyone's in the same boat right now. And that's just, I, I really wish we had some standout performances more often in the back line. Yeah. Like last, in the last season, Kabak was the standout defensive you know, performances. Sané was out injured, obviously. Uh, and, and seemed like Kabak was the only one that was consistent last year. That's why the, the value went up with him and like crazy. Cause he was scoring goals. He was stopping plays. He was, he was doing really well. And then this year, I don't know if the pressure is going to get to him or what, or the rumors get to his head. I don't know. I mean, it's just the whole play, the whole team is just struggling overall. But this is one of the best. This is probably one of the best games we've played you know, from beginning to finish, um, almost finish. Uh, probably since that Gladbach game that we won uh, last January. It's been a long time since we played a game this complete, close to complete. This is close to complete. We we played a game in a while, and I thought we were the best team in this day. We just didn't get it done because we had some gaffes. Yeah, but that's the thing is, you know, ultimately, once again, if this if we're gonna maintain our, our status in the Bundesliga you got to beat somebody at some point and you think if you're going to beat anybody it's going to be teams that are kind of more in this boat and and when you when you fail to do it once again and you fail to do it when you're up a man it's 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 not encouraging but um yeah I mean, I'm still trying to stay positive and once again yeah there are, there are some good things to take away from this game um and it, it's encouraging to once again when you see people from the Kanapachmita or you know not not maybe fresh from that but some of the younger guys, Buyuleb, Bozdawan, these kind of guys, the people that we always say we'd like to see them get some more playing time. Bozdawan was lively today once again. 
had some good moments. So it's 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 not it's not rocket science. Like these guys tend to show up and put in a shift more often than not. Um, and yeah, hopefully we see more of that. I'd be open to it for sure. I mean, I think I, mean, I think Buyulev is playing his way into the starting eleven. Would I you, agree. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, he's certainly not going to see Harit right now. I mean, he's back in the team, but we didn't we didn't even see him sniff the field today. Uh, I thought Buyulev has been playing really well the last couple of weeks. I think he should you know get another chance at, at the starting spot. Uh, Swat Serda again. Ramon did well. Uh, Boswell, you got to fit him in somewhere. Um, but I am going to say it again for the second second week in a row. I want to see Hamza Mendil. You know, with what the weakness has been, you know, the last yeah. game, it would have been nice to see. You know, instead of making uh, Ramon for Skripsky, you know, I, I get that, I get that move. But I would have rather see like you know, get fresh legs out there. We know they're going to go for that. I mean, at that point, they were making it obvious they were going down that wing. Take him out, put someone with, with legs because that's what we're exploiting. Um, I don't know. So. And I feel like it's also the third consecutive game now, at least, where uh, either Bastian Ochipko or Kidian Ludwig has been has been sat, and Hamza Mendel has not gotten the opportunity at left or right back in any of those games. It's been a center back every time, either Milik Chawa or Benjamin Stambouli. Um, so that is... We saw him for like a couple minutes last game, I think it was. Yeah, right? but I mean, in terms of like you know, there's, starting. we're starting we're starting games with, with with center backs being played sort of out of position rather than a guy that would ostensibly be able to fill that role better. So that's that's weird to me. There's got to be. I mean, it's kind of like the Katucci thing. I'm, I I think. I mean, although I'd say Katucci had uh, you know demonstrated on the pitch, uh, you know, and given us a reason to, to be demanding a much more than Hamza Mendo has ever done in the Schalke kit. But if you're going to recall this guy from loan. Yeah, and you know, you think every once in a while you got to put him in. Ochipka has not had a standout season this year. I'm not trying to like you know lay blame for everything that's going on at his feet, but I mean, yeah, you think you at least want to give this guy an opportunity and see what he gives us. That that cameo he had last week is not enough for us to get a sense of what he's capable of right now. No, no. So my ultimate question to you, Jack, and we're asking also the chat. You know, do you feel more or less optimistic heading into Wednesday's matchup against Freiburg? Uh, Chris Chris Whelan is uh, in the chat, and he says. Uh, we scored two goals without our best striker. I feel we can get six points from Freiburg and Bielefeld. I hope so. Uh, if we play that way that we did against Augsburg, I can see that. Uh, but we had to play that way. Um, there's rumors that maybe Katucci is going to be back from, from his COVID. That would be key because we had no other main striker other than Ramon. Um, you can bring in Matthew Hoppy maybe. But, um, yeah, how about you, Jack? Are you more or less optimistic after that game? Or are you the same? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the same. I don't think I don't think I've gone one way or the other. I just think I'm kind of frustrated that we didn't take advantage of that. But um, you know, at least it's not a three or four goal defensive letdown, and and at least we actually get on the score sheet a couple of times. I think it's only the what the second time this season that we've scored more than one goal in a game. Yeah, and the last one I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I feel like it, last one was either, the two two game also. It was against um, Mainz, right? Mainz, yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, recently. so I mean. It, yeah, it's, it's rare that we actually get on the score sheet a couple of times. So you, you have to be pleased about that. I mean, one of them comes from a defensive mistake more than us um, creating the chance. But we we did create a couple other chances that, you know, you probably probably say should have taken. Those were, you know, decent opportunities. So, um, yeah. yeah, just see how it goes. But, I mean, as I said before, I've, I've already sort of set the standard for what, in my mind, we need to do, which is which is we have to get this done before Christmas. We have to have a significant point gathering in these next couple yeah. games. And uh, not not the best start um, today. No. So no, I mean, if you look at the results, it doesn't look like there's any uh, there's any change to what we've been doing, right? But I I'm looking at what's going on on the pitch, and I like what I saw in the game. They are pressing a lot more. I kept calling for it last week. We need some more pressing because it makes other team look you know awkward. Uh, it, it worked today for the most part. We need to capitalize better. I mean, well, I can see Buyaleb and Bozwan put away those chances. Ramon as well. 
um, and Serdar. They were all taking shots, which is great. You want to see that, but we need to see, you know, start finishing this stuff, you know, putting the stuff on target, make the goalie save. But I like what I saw. Uh, so that if we can keep up that kind of uh, momentum, that, that fighting, you know, 50-50 chances, we won those today. We haven't won that in a long time, probably since that Gladbach game. It's been a long time since we won 50-50 chances. Our XG was something like one and a half, I think, at the end of the game or something crazy. Um, so there's a lot to be optimistic about. And, you know, Augsburg is the tougher of the three teams just by, by, the, by the, the table markings. Um, Freiburg is obviously going to be difficult, um, probably more so than Armenia, but you never know. Um, I am a little bit more optimistic. Um, but, again, being optimistic and you know being realistic, realistic is also two different things. Uh, we need to see it. We need to get six points. Um, we need to look good in these games because a lot can change. Uh, I, I saw an article, I think it was in Build or somewhere, they were saying, like, you know, if we don't, you know, we don't change our, our trajectory here after these three games, we might be looking at, you know, maybe maybe we're going to look at another manager. Maybe whose team is going to come back to try to figure, fight, you know, uh, save us. Who knows? Uh, so it's still, still a ways to go um, with that. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see. The game's on Wednesday. We don't have much time to think about it. Uh, we did ask the... Uh, the Twitter and Facebook fans and, and Instagram, what their thoughts were, any questions, comments they had on the game. Uh, of course, as, as always, they responded. Uh, first, Eric Houston on Twitter says, uh, I'm not sure if this is a question as much as a comment, but that goal at the death today made me feel like May 2001 and May 2007, or, and 2007 freaking gutted. Uh, yeah, it was a gut punch. It was certainly a gut punch as one as you can get. Um, Eric, the stop, stop much time. Yeah, it hurts. 93rd it hurts. minute of, Oh, my God. Anyway, Eric, uh, German dad in L.A., Louisiana. Uh, I assume it's Louisiana. Uh, uh, name is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, I think they were a little bit of all. Second for sure, good, uh, the goal is talking about. Having a man up and allowing this many chances is not that good. 2-2, two, two, having opponents this wide open, very ugly. Uh, yeah, it was an ugly game. Um, another comment from uh, Facebook. Uh, William says, uh, just want to say great effort today. They dealt with a lot of adversity and we're coming all together. A heartbreaking equalizer, but still a great showing. All right, positivity there. Uh, Steve Walter says, uh, what a heartbreaking way to get a draw. I was getting so hopeful that this would finally end the winless streak. Uh, and that's another thing. James, James, our boy, kept saying, you know, hey, they're finally going to end Tasmania's Tasmania Berlin streak. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, my God, no. And especially, was like, like you said, 70th minute or 75th minute. It's like, come on, dude. Uh, Joseph comes on and says, uh, when we were 2-1, I was slowly starting to chant Salka songs with joy as he played as a team. It looked like things were finally clicking. I was ready to celebrate, and then uh, the team's going to win for Ut. But then stoppage time came, 90th minute. I said to myself, okay, only five minutes. We can do it. And then they got it, and then uh, got punch. Again, I got punch. Uh, and then the last one we're going to leave you with is uh, from our buddy David Thielen. He says, um, this game was sure was a gut punch. It's the theme of tonight, apparently. Uh, after losing Ut and going down a goal, our guys played well uh, to make sure to get back into the game and take the lead 2-1. to one. But as usual, we get beaten on a header in the box and have to settle for a lousy point. Um, since we cannot defend crosses into the box, I guess we need to try to block them at all costs in the first place. Uh, with Ut out now, let's uh, hope, I sure hope that Cotucho is available for the, most, for the next couple of games. Um, yeah, the, the striker situation is going to be interesting. Um, and right now, at the, at present, without Cattuc knowing about Katucho, definitely Matthew Hoppy, Ramon, if you want to call him a striker, uh, maybe Skripsky. I'm like, there's not many opportunities there. Right? Bring in Katucho, bring in you know maybe another one from um, from the youth team. I mean, is Batando fit right now? Uh, yeah, well, he was injured. He was injured a couple weeks ago. Um, because presumably, you could see. I mean, you could easily see, uh, you know, Benito Ramon moving up top. 
and Matano moving up, you know, wide left. Um, I mean, or technically even vice versa, but I mean, you, you would think that Benito Rama is one of the guys that could benefit from it, if not Katuchu. Um, I mean, certainly if, if Katuchu gets back healthy and he's not getting selected, that's still going to be <laughs> a sore spot for a lot of people when, you know, when Abisevich's contract is canceled, Paciencia is hurt, Marco now recovering from this. I don't know what the concussion protocol is, but uh, yeah, we'll be just to see what the lineup looks like in the next couple of games. I wouldn't even call it. around so quick, yeah, so. Yeah, three days because we got Wednesday and then we got again Saturday, I think, as the next game after that. So coming hot and heavy, and I wouldn't even call Katusha an out-and-out striker. I think he's, like we said, like Mark Oot, he's a second striker. He plays probably better just behind the striker and be able to create and move around and, and get goal-scoring opportunities uh, that way. But uh, either way, we need bodies. Um, looks like Paciencia is probably out for the year. So um, not looking good. In the injury front, as always, it seems like. Uh, but yeah, the last couple of games that we've been seeing, even when we were playing sort of like a four-two-two-two, one of those guys has usually been dropping back into that central space to help create. And I mean, that's exactly the kind of role that Katucci would potentially be able to fill, yep. as opposed to playing like lone strike or whatever. Um, Bujalab was kind of playing that role a little bit at times in this one today, um, dropping off a little bit behind Marku. So, um, or merely in the game, I should say. Uh, yeah, I mean. We'll have to see how it goes, but I mean, in terms of what they've been playing recently, you would—I I feel like it would be tailor-made for some good, good minutes for him. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, maybe we can get some. Uh, I wonder who's going to play right back. They bring Ludovic back. They bring uh, Leif Stambouli out there. Do you see Malik Tiao? Uh, to be determined. Hamza Mendil. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Shaka US newsletter. Uh, not only get info on the club, but get the latest from all the local fan clubs across North America and even our podcast. Um, if you haven't done so yet, also please subscribe to our YouTube page. I put out videos all the time. Uh, we just put out released a video uh, talking about the statements from both the supervisory board and the ultras of Gelson Kirshen. So definitely check that out. Uh, anything else, Jack, before we wrap this up? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, right. that we pretty much had it all. Once again, like I said, another another crazy week, another another busy week in the news and everything. I hope we can calm down and just kind of focus on the games for a bit. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, keep off, tuning. The field, off the field drama, man. Off the field drama, no doubt about it. It's probably only getting gut wrenching closer as we get to Tasmania Berlin's uh, thirty one games. We're at twenty seven games now, four away from tying that. Oh, I uh, hope we don't get that. Uh, keep tuning in each week or maybe every couple of days as we get you the latest from the Royal Blues. Uh, we want to thank Shaka and all our followers for providing us tidbits for our podcast tonight. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, just give us a tweet at Shaka America. Uh, I would like to give a special shout out to Mark Oot. Uh, hope you uh, have a speedy recovery. Glad to hear you're doing better, uh, especially with that uh, Instagram tweet or whatever post this afternoon. So uh, glad to hear that. Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on uh, social media? Want to see my uh, Instagram tweets, as you just put it? Uh, you can find <laughs> at JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. I'm old. Well, leave me alone. The Twitter thing, the Twitter sphere, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. As always, you can follow me at, at R underscore K H A R M A N on pretty much anywhere Twitter, Instagram. You can tweet me everywhere, <laughs> apparently. Uh, until the next podcast comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes.